Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. The Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It shows you the box you're already in and how to get out of it. Ian Cron, Road Back to You. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today I'm joined by Jordan Jones, my husband, who also happens to be an attorney and personality typing expert. Today we're chatting about the Enneagram and making book recommendations for each type. Hi, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? Good. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. Normally, you just come here once a year. That's right. But I'm assuming that since March Madness um, was canceled, you decided to make it up to me by putting me on this one. I guess. This will be your second podcast episode of the year. You're actually a frequently requested guest. Oh, really? (laughs) Don't let it go to your head. Well, let's see if I can uh, (laughs) uphold the standard. Okay. So here's what I thought we would do today. I don't really know if the Enneagram is still, I feel like it's still, I definitely feel like it's relevant. It felt for a while like it was super trendy. I don't know if it's still quite as trendy as it was, but you and I talk about the Enneagram constantly. We utilize it in hiring and I use use it in managing the staff and between Enneagram typing and the Myers-Briggs, I feel like you're pretty well-versed in both. But I thought today what we could do is walk through the different Enneagram types and then I'm going to make book recommendations for each type. This is not an original idea. I feel like I have seen this other places. But here's what I guess the people should know. I have not read any of those articles. <laughs> I, okay, that's fair. I did not read any of those articles. I did not look up any recommendations. I based this solely on my understanding of the Enneagram okay. and what I think each type might enjoy, appreciate, or need. Excellent. Spoken like a true journalism major who's always afraid of anything that gets anything close to plagiarism. Yeah. Trying to be original. That's <laughs> yeah. the main thing. Trying really hard to um to play fair. That's fair. So That's fair. I did not look up any book recommendations. This is my own This is raw. Yeah, this is raw footage. Raw Annie B. Jones. Oh boy. Um okay, so let's start with the Enneagram One. Give me a brief overview of the Enneagram One type. Well, the Enneagram one type is called the perfectionist. And this is the type of person that, you know, generally tries to do the right thing, uh, tends to see the world in black and white, um, holds himself or herself to a very high standard and wants to hold everybody else to that same high standard. Okay. So we, you and I, I feel like know a lot of Enneagram ones. They're everywhere. (laughs) And, And they're very, you know loud, you know, both in volume, but also in influence. Yes, that's a good way to put it, because I know a lot of introverted Enneagram ones. For a while, I thought I was one. Mm -hmm. I really did. And then I think between um, Ian Cron's book and then even some podcasts, and also I think coming across other Enneagram ones and just realizing I didn't quite care to the level that they cared. And it made me realize that must not be me. That's right. That's exactly (laughs) right. Because they care deeply. The Enneagram ones I know care deeply. That's exactly right. Okay, so I came up with two book titles for each 
person or each type. So for the Enneagram one, my first recommendation is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. The reason I recommended this is because I feel like the characters in this book are constantly making mistakes, but their mistakes are redeemed. And Mm -hmm. I think these are people who are trying really hard. And when I think of the Enneagram one type, I think of people who are trying really hard. They are giving 110%. They are working really hard. I have an Enneagram one friend who I saw that she put in her house. I don't know if Jordan, you have seen these, but like there are these beautiful art prints that say work hard and be nice to people. Mm. Like it's a, and I've even thought about buying one for our house. Like they're really pretty. And, but I saw hers said, play hard and be nice to people. There you go. And I commented and I said, I love this. I've never seen this one. And she said, as an Enneagram one, I do not need the reminder to work harder. Right. (laughs) Right. And so I wanted a book that would maybe encourage people that it's okay to make mistakes. Right. Your mistakes are not what define you. And there is just more to life than not messing up, I guess. Great point. Yeah, that's that's the one's deepest fear is making a mistake. So I think that any book that shows the one how mistakes can be redeemed uh, because they will inevitably be made. So right. when they're redeemed, then then that's part of your story. So that was my first recommendation. Mm-hmm. My second recommendation, I'm going to be honest, I was torn. I had this book picked out for the Enneagram 1. And then when I got to the Enneagram 3, I Mm. thought about it for the Enneagram 3 as well. But I picked a nonfiction book called Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagowski. I love this book. If I could put it into the hands of every woman I know, I would. Like it is the book I would give everybody because it is all about completing the stress cycle. And it is about making sure we live our lives in such a way that we avoid burnout as much as possible, but through these really practical tactics. And one of those tactics is completing the stress cycle. The women I know who've read it, we talk almost in code to one another. Like, mm-hmm. have you completed the stress cycle? Like, and so I think, honestly, this book would probably be great for any Enneagram or personality type person. Again, I would put it into the hands of every every woman I know. But I thought particularly for the Enneagram one, and maybe yes, for the Enneagram three um, as well, people who are really putting forth a lot of effort and who are finding themselves maybe exhausted from the level right. of work they're pursuing, I think this book would be very helpful for them. So East of Eden is my kind of fiction, not necessarily feel-good pick. Um, by the way, that's a book you would really like. Mm. Uh, it's so good. But I think that's kind of the fiction, get out of your head kind of pick. And then Burnout is more for when you're ready to hunker down and do the kind of mental work it takes to take care of yourself, like to provide yourself with some self-care. I think that's what burnout is for. Okay, excellent. I think those were very well suited. Okay, good. You approve. I approve. All right. What about the Enneagram 2 type? The Enneagram 2 type is a type that we all have in our family. Every single one of us either has a 2 that's a mom or a mother-in-law or a sister. (laughs) You you definitely have a 2 that's one of those things. Where are Um, the male 2s? There are male twos. There are male twos as well. But but the the typical two that we think of is called the helper. Okay? okay. And this is someone who always dotes on others to try to give them exactly what they need or want. Their goal is to make themselves indispensable to others. They they're big on gift giving. But then the dark side of that is they can be a little bit manipulative. They can they can throw that gift out there in the hope that you'll kind of be indebted to them with the goal that you'll give them a gift later. That's kind of the goal. And I have several twos uh, in my family. Um, they they kind of hold things together um, as well. Yes. I 
I'm teasing, but I guess when I do think of the Enneagram twos in our families, they are mostly women. And my, my mom is an Enneagram two and she really does hold things together. And then we also tease her. Uh, I think it has come up both in her Myers-Briggs and in her Enneagram typing, this idea of we, it's now like a inside joke in our family, like, um, guilt manipulation. Like we, we, joke, right. we joke when she or my dad start to employ, uh, air quotes, guilt manipulation. Um, but that very parental descriptor is kind of what I think of when you say an Enneagram two to me, and I have Enneagram twos who are not parents in my life, like who are friends, but I do think of them as very nurturing types. Right. Nurturing. And so I came up with two book recommendations that I picked because of the parental characters in the book. So the first one is A Place for Us by Fatima Farin Mirza. This is a book I read a couple years ago that it was, it's one of my favorite books I've read in the last, oh, kind of five or six years. I think it would make my top 10 list. It is a book about an Indian American family. Um, They're deeply devout, devoutly Muslim. And the book is really about the difference between the parents who immigrated to America and then their children who were born and raised in America. And so there is a lot about religion and tradition. I think I think of Fiddler on the Roof or something like that, right, where yeah. you kind of have this confusion um, in the same family, like with the same worldview, the same values, uh, but struggling because they're not entirely the same. And there are two really great characters in the book who are parents of these kids and they're um, particularly the father figure. I really kind of fell in love with him as a character. And so I thought of that book as a way, almost as a cautionary tale of sorts to the Enneagram 2 type that this is how sometimes this type can come across. Right. Perhaps accidentally, right? They can come across maybe as slightly overbearing or overprotective or um, very protective perhaps of the traditions, even right. more than the people at the heart of the tradition. I think that's what a place for us really addresses well. So that's my first recommendation. And then my second one, because I didn't want the Enneagram 2 to feel like they were being treated harshly, like they needed to learn something. Uh, sometimes we also just need to read for reading's sake. And so I recommend Musical Chairs by Amy Popel. This is a book I recommended a lot in the last few weeks because I read it this summer and thoroughly enjoyed it. I read it and just the whole time had this big old grin on my face. But the woman who's the kind of the main protagonist in the book is a mother and she's very devoted mom to these to these adult kids. But you see her as an adult parent trying to figure out um, she's a musician, so she uh, is very talented. Um, But you look at her life and she's trying to figure out who she is, not only post kids, but post this deeply committed relationship she's had with another musician. It's a platonic relationship they've run this kind of ensemble together, this trio. And she has been so committed and devoted to it for the last few decades of her life that she almost doesn't know what she would do without it. Mm. And when I think of an Enneagram too, I think of somebody who's immensely devoted. And so what do they do when the objects of their devotion are removed from them? Right. Uh, Either by choice or just because that's how life works. And so I've really love the mom at the heart of the book. And I think Enneagram twos might really see themselves in her. So a place for us is maybe the more, I loved that book, but it might be perhaps the more cautionary tale. And then musical chairs is the really, the joy that can come from maybe almost limiting your devotion a little bit, like toning it down mm, just a d- right. bit or, or finding yourself outside right. of the objects of your devotion. Right. So those are my two recommendations. Excellent. Sounds good. All right. 
Enneagram three. So the three is objectively considered to be the best type. Um, <laughs> actually, I, actually, I think it might be the worst. But anyway, everybody thinks that about their own type. Uh, yeah, that about their type. So that's so, how you know you found your type. Th- there you go. <laughs> yeah, when it hits you between the eyes, you you know you found it. So the three type is called um, the achiever or the performer. I prefer achiever because performer makes me think of someone who simply wants to be on stage. Now, the performer does like to be on stage. Absolutely. But but the performer or the achiever is someone who really strives to be the best that they can possibly be. Uh, this person enters a room, scans it, and then tries to kind of become whatever it is that the group wants uh, them to be. They're great at selling a product. But, but the problem is, is that sometimes threes don't really know who we are underneath that facade. We try to be what we think is expected of us. Okay. I really struggled with this one. And I don't know if it's because I know I know you, <laughs> you and Enneagram 3 so personally and intimately. And I recommend books to you all the time. But I recommend books to you because you're my husband. And right. you're my friend. Beyond my three-ness. Yeah. Just, yes. Beyond who you are as an right. Enneagram number. So I think that was probably why I struggled the most with this one was because you're the person I think I, I hope I know best. And so I was like, wait, I have to not think of Jordan. I have to think of Enneagram 3. Right. Okay. So I did struggle with this, but my first recommendation is Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. This is not a book I have finished, um, but Lucy on staff here read it and loved it. The reason I picked it, yes, partly I was influenced by who you are, but this is a book um, about, it is about Shakespeare's wife and son and is fiction. It's historical fiction. I know you love Shakespeare. So I yes, think that's certainly yes. what infiltrated this because I think you would really like this book. Okay. But I also picked it because my understanding from my conversations with Lucy is that in the book, Shakespeare is never named. And I really like the idea of an Enneagram 3 having to read a book about a really achieving person, right? But the book is not about Shakespeare. The book is about Shakespeare's wife and kid. Oh, interesting. And so it's not about the Enneagram 3. Oh, I don't know, you know, I don't know that Shakespeare was an Enneagram 3, but I want, I think I'd like an Enneagram 3, right, to realize, and hopefully this would help them realize the pressure's off, the world doesn't revolve around you. And I don't mean that in a, in a you guys are so selfish kind of way. I mean in that, let's take the pressure off you, the Enneagram right. 3. right. And so this book is has gotten universal praise. People love it. Um, but I think it's interesting that even though it's air quotes about Shakespeare, it's really not. He's not named. It's about his wife. It's about his child. And it's about the plague that took place during that time. So oh, it would be especially timely to read right now. So that was my first recommendation. Again, highly influenced by who you are. I know you love Shakespeare. But also because... What happens when an Enneagram 3 reads a book about an achieving person, but it's not about the achieving person? Right. Well, and that's one of the paths to healing for the three is to find a cause or something else to support, some something to pour one's soul into that doesn't just revolve around the three himself or herself. Right. That That's one of the paths to healing. So I think that's a good, that's a good call. Okay. Then my next one. I thought about a couple of the other Enneagram threes I know, and I thought about you, and I'm recommending The Best of Me by David Sedaris. Now, truthfully, I would recommend anything by David right. Sedaris. Yeah, he's hilarious. Um, but The Best of Me is his upcoming essay collection that is supposed to be a compilation of all of his best works. So if you've never read David Sedaris, then I think The Best of Me would be a, probably a great place to start. But really, any David Sedaris work will do. Here's why I'm recommending it. Enneagram threes I know are high achieving, very busy, 
I've joked with you since college, like you're the commitment king. You have something to do constantly. David Sedaris's essays. You can pick them up and read them whenever you want. I love it. Great audiobook guy. Uh, The Enneagram threes, I know, like to multitask. So he's a great audiobook narrator. And he's funny. The Enneagram threes, I know, are a little bit performers. Mm -hmm. Like you are super goofy and funny, but you don't always show that to everybody you meet. I think you do show it to a lot of people you meet, but you don't show it to everybody you meet. So I think it would help the maybe even the more uptight Enneagram three. I would not put you in that category, but I think it might help them loosen up a little bit. Mm. And it also is is very easily read. Like I just think a lot of Enneagram threes I know are really busy and committed and reading is hard for them. But if you're reading an essay collection or if you're reading something really outrageously funny, you want to keep going. If you're an, if you're a multitasker, an audiobook is perfect for you. So that's why I'm recommending the best of me. I think that's great. And Enneagram threes need to also learn how to kind of let go and let emotion take over. Um, I love a really good laugh. You don't love a really good cry. I know. No, I mean, (laughs) we have to draw the line somewhere. I can take it or leave it. But a really good laugh, you know, and it's kind of like if if no one else is going to make me laugh, then I'm going to try to make other people laugh. But I'm just as content to have, you know, some kind of weird slapstick thing on in the background right. and and make me laugh hard make me be able to get in touch with that emotion so and david sedaris is one of those guys that does that right me. yeah i mean when we've seen him live i mean i, I can't stop laughing right. it's just the way he says things. Yes. it's amazing that's why the audiobooks are so great too okay so those are my recs for the enneagram three i'm excited to talk about the enneagram four because this was the easiest category for me to fill and i'm i'm wondering why that was <laughs> because they're readers <laughs> I, I think i think the Enneagram four is, is if not the rarest, um, one of the rarer types on the Enneagram. Um, this type is called the romantic. And this is the type, again, they're rare, uh, but you probably have one of them in your family. They believe themselves to be unicorns, um, and they, they are. Um, they're very whimsical. Um, they're artistic. And they're kind of melancholy. They, they, they have a sense of melancholy, but they like it. Um, Franz Kafka was a four and he said, I have the true feeling of myself only when I am unbearably unhappy. So they're actually comfortable with sorrow. They, mm-hmm. they, they're okay sitting in that a little bit. So, so that's the four. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but my spiritual director is an Enneagram oh, four. Okay. And Good. I think that makes a lot of sense. Somebody who's comfortable to kind of sit, to borrow a Jewish phrase, like to sit Shiva with you. Correct. Like to sit, right. to sit with you in it. Right. Okay, so I have two recommendations. The first is called The Harpy by Megan Hunter. This is a book that comes out in November, so it's not out yet. But I'm recommending it because this is one of the weirdest books I've read this year. And when I think of a person who might be willing to read this book, I think of an Enneagram 4. So And it is a dark book. And I think the Enneagram 4s I know are comfortable with darkness. They're okay Mm, with it. Right. And so in The Harpy, which is actually a book you picked for me, like out of my... Right. Yeah. Uh, It is about a woman and a and her husband. Her husband has had an affair, and in order to keep their marriage intact, what the husband has told the wife she should do is punish him three times, and punish him, and then and then it's over. Like once she's punished him, they have to move on. That's the retribution. Right. It's done. And this book is fascinating because um, Megan Hunter is a beautiful writer. I've read one of her other books and thoroughly 
enjoyed it and just respect her as a writer. She writes very poetically, which is another reason I rec- I'm recommending this for an Enneagram 4. I think they would appreciate the language of it. It also plays with myths. So the myth of uh, the Greek myth of the harpy character. Mm, right. And so the harpy as this Greek mythological creature plays a part in between the chapters about the husband and the wife. I don't, won't go into too much detail because I really want people to read this one for themselves. It is bizarre um, and it is not for every reader, but I thought that's why it was perfect because the Enneagram four is, is very unique and, and, Absolutely. and comfortable with being the only one for whom this book might be for. <laughs> right. Um, so that was my first recommendation. And then my second one is called the incendiaries by R.O. Kwan. I read this years ago when it very first came out. Highly literary, um, again, something I think might to appeal to an Enneagram 4 reader, but it also is about this young woman who kind of gets mixed in with this cultish type group. And then she kind of has to figure out, do I want in on this or not? And it plays with religion in a way that it talks about both evangelical Christianity, as I recall, like one of the characters is kind of has been a part of that and is now kind of drawn to almost this more religious cult-like experience. Mm. And so I think an Enneagram 4 might really appreciate this because it's trying to figure out who you are against the rest of the crowd. Right. Against the rest very, of the Very, very Yes. Very forish. So The Incendiaries by R.O. Kwan and then The Harpy by Megan Hunter. Those Excellent. are my four recommendations. Fantastic. Right. Okay. Talk to me about the five and be careful. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, on the one hand, you should tell me about the five because you're a five. But on the other hand, I get a front row view. <laughs> dare I say a more objective view of the five. So, so the five uh, is called The Investigator. And this is a type that tends to be, if you know anything about Myers-Briggs, Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram do not have one-to-one ratios. But I will tell you that every single five I've met is also an introvert on the Myers-Briggs. This is the type that has a limited tank of gasoline of energy. Um, This type kind of wakes up with one-third of the tank that the rest of us have, and they see interactions with others as draining. So they kind of live in a world of scarcity. And they try to conserve their emotional and intellectual resources. This type is very imaginative, tends to be quiet, tends to be minimalistic, and and very intellectual. And so uh, I will say that I think probably most people who are drawn towards books, well, let me say this, of all the people that are drawn towards books, probably fours and fives are overrepresented. So there are probably more fours and fives listening right now. than than reflects their actual population in the world. So they might say, oh, I found kindred spirits with Annie. I found, you know, because you guys are small and when you find each other, it's like a light bulb goes off. That's funny that you say that because uh, this one time I got to meet Ian Cron at that book conference we went to in New York a couple years ago, a couple years ago, just last year. Anyway, when I got to meet him, I asked him, I said, what or what Enneagram type have you seen the most of here? Mm. And of course, it's hard to predict. It's not quite like the Myers-Briggs, right? right? It's more about motivation. So it's very internal. It's hard to know what someone else is just by meeting them. But he said if he had to guess, he laughed and he said, by far the Enneagram 4. Wow. And I thought that was so funny. And at the time, very unexpected to me. The more that I have learned, the more I find that to be realistic and probably accurate. Okay. So for fives, I went really the same direction with both of these books. So the first recommendation is Transcendent Kingdom by Yad Jesse, which is my favorite book of the year. Um, Hunter and I talked about it on this last week's podcast episode. That means a lot when it comes from someone who reads 100 books a year. Yeah. 
yes, it mean, mean a lot it for matters. me, but it, but it means a lot <laughs> from you because it's like in your top 1%. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. Um, And p- the reason I'm mentioning it here, because I've mentioned it a lot, and so I'm sure people are a little eye-rolly about it, but the reason I'm mentioning it here is because I actually think Gifty, who's the main character in the book, I suspect she could possibly be an Enneagram 5. The way that she deals with grief and loss is to question and reevaluate her religious upbringing and it is to lose herself in science. And so when she loses a person she holds dear, uh, the way that she copes with that is by studying Mm. kind of why things happened the way they did. The mechanics. Yes. And so I found Gifty to be one of my favorite characters I've been introduced to in the last few years. There are few Maeve from the Dutch house comes to mind, but Gifty just, I wonder if I found her so endearing because I also found her to be so familiar. Mm. Um, And then my other recommendation for the five is the Essex serpent by Sarah Perry. This is a, I almost think a little bit outside genre for me, but it is kind of this Gothic novel that takes place on, I think about on the moors. Like it takes place on the coast of England, as I recall, I've read it a few years ago. But the reason I'm mentioning it is is because at the heart of the book is a platonic friendship between um, a man and a woman. And the woman is very scientifically minded. And the man is a little bit more um, imaginative. And uh, there is the Essex serpent where the book gets its title from is almost like a Loch Ness monster type figure. And that is kind of the undercurrent underneath the whole book is like, does this Essex serpent exist? Um, But really to me, the book was about faith and doubt and belief and non-belief and also this platonic friendship that maybe may or may not remain platonic throughout the book. I just really loved the relationship between those two characters and A lot of Enneagram 5s, I'm not sure that I really fall in this category, but a lot of Enneagram 5s seem to be really scientifically minded. I actually don't know that that's true about me, but I am curious. Uh, And so both Transcendent Kingdom and the Essex Serpent deal with science, but in a way that I find really interesting and appealing. So The imaginative way. Yes, the imaginative way. Not just boiling concoctions. That's right. Yeah, that, that also seems like it's drifting perilously close to the to the five wing four yeah you know like like if you're a five wing four maybe even a four wing five that sounds like that yes kind of overlapping right there which i have been i think i do struggle with my wing i people uh, my spiritual director actually wondered if i was a five wing four and i've never thought that about myself i always assume i'm the six wing six but who knows that's for another podcast that's for another day speaking of the six what can you tell us about them okay the six um sixes are everywhere (laughs) Um, And you'll know them because when there's not a crisis, they're telling you that there's going to be a crisis. (laughs) And then when there is a crisis, they've they've all they're all stocked up. They're ready. They've got all the food. They've got all the guns. They've got all their cars all lined up. They've got their underground bunker ready. So this is like a uh, kind of a worst case scenario type. They're very oriented towards their duty. You know what what needs to be done? What am I supposed to do? What's the correct group that I need to be a part of? They're called the loyalist. This type does not usually like the spotlight. I have an Enneagram 6 friend who told me that his greatest fear is that he might be discovered. And what he means by that is he's worried he's going to go viral on YouTube accidentally or something. That is also my greatest fear. Uh, so so, 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 so I, I, let me just give you all a hint. Spoiler alert, I think Annie's a wing six. But, but um, that's, that's the six. They're, they're anxious, they're cautious, 
they don't think they're really safe. And so they really work hard to to limit their risk. Mm. So I picked a fiction and a nonfiction title for this one. The nonfiction title came out a few years ago, and it's called Text Me When You Get Home. And it's by Kayleen Schaefer. And it is a book about female friendships. Um, so this would probably be more geared toward the female Enneagram six. But it really is all about that title, right? Like women live in a world in which we protect one another right. and we watch out for one another. And the and Enneagram. Told to be oh, careful. yeah, absolutely. And it, so it's really not even just about Enneagram type, right? It's about um, gender and about being out in the world and, and having to be super aware of your surroundings. But it's also about the ways in which women in particular take care of themselves through their friendships. And this book is all about kind of the role friendships play in the lives of women. So I loved this book when it came out. I thought it was really informative because it's kind of uh, pop psychology, but also kind of about social networks and um, the ways in which women care for one another. And I just think the Enneagram 6 should know that she is not alone. Like she mm. doesn't have to fend for herself. Right. Like she can have a support system or other women or friends or relationships who are, who are helping her make her way in the world. She doesn't need to live in fear or anxiety because we have one another's backs kind of thing. So I thought this book would be an encouragement to them. Very good. The second book I'm recommending is Sea Wife by Amity Gage. And the reason I'm recommending this is because this is a fiction book. This is a novel, great novel that I read this summer. I think it's perfect for the Enneagram 6 because in this book, everything that can go wrong does go wrong. And the protagonist of the book, the narrator of the book survives. And so, and that's not a spoiler. I think an Enneagram 6 needs to be told, and maybe I don't want to project, but like, you're going to be okay. Right. Like you right. are going to be okay. Even if the worst happens, you are going to survive. You have the capabilities. And again, going back to the other book recommendation, you have people in your life who are going to help you through this. You don't have to do this by yourself. And so Sea Wife is just an utterly enjoyable and engaging novel. It's about a woman whose family goes sailing and her husband has this desire to kind of sail around the world but it's really a survivor tale. And it's about, again, what happens when everything goes wrong. And if you're an Enneagram six, I imagine you spend a lot of time doing like worst case scenarios. Right. And in this book, the worst case happens and it's still okay. Oh, good point. So good point. that's Sea Wife by Amity Gage. Excellent. Excellent. A little bit of um, uh, exposure therapy. Yeah. You know, yes. you know, imagine that if this horrible thing happens, and, oh, look, you survived. So, right. Yeah. And I think reading books like that would be such an encouragement to me if I were an Enneagram yeah. 6. Yeah. And and because I'm partly an Enneagram right. 6, like, I find them to be really comforting. Like, okay, yeah. this this lady survived, then I sure can. Right. Like, that right. kind of thing. Right. Okay. So the Enneagram 7, this was the other hardest category for me. So yep. the 3 and the 7 was the hardest book group for me. You have a hard time picking for people with a tremendous amount of energy. And that goes back to you being a five <laughs> and having true. almost no energy. So uh, the, the Enneagram 7 has a double tank of gasoline. Uh, they're like a big giant semi-truck. This is the most fun type. This is the type that brings fun to a party. This is one of the few types that when I sit down with a 7, I feel like an introvert. Oh, interesting. Um, I schedule time with sevens when I'm tired of being the extrovert. Uh, um, and I can just sit and just watch and eat my popcorn <laughs> while through their talking and their soliloquies, they entertain me. They have the best stories. They have the most bizarre things happen to them. Uh, they truly make life fun. But what is at the root of this is they're really afraid 
of, of thinking about the bad and the hard things in life. They're, they're so worried about the pain that life could bring. They don't like funerals. They don't like hardships. They don't even like thinking about them. So what they do is they try to think about fun. They try to instantly cheer everything up. And, and so it, there, there's a lot to, to dive into with this type, but that's, that's the gist of it. Okay. I wound up going with, for nonfiction, I went with Here For It by R. Eric Thomas. This is a collection of essays. The reason I picked it is because you cannot look at this book cover without smiling like a maniac because it is so fun. Like it's this kind of pink cover. There's like confetti on it. And R. Eric Thomas is hilarious. He's a very talented writer. This is going to be, I think, in my top 10 books of the year. Oh, I mention okay. it a lot. Top 10%. Um, it is so utterly enjoyable. But here's the thing. He is also writing about really deep things having mm. to do with race, politics, religion. And it's almost like it sneaks up on you. Oh, like you're reading it and you think this is fun. And then all of a sudden you're crying. Right. I don't know. I'm not speaking from personal experience, but I think <laughs> I think this would be so good for the Enneagram 7 because our Eric Thomas, I have no clue what Enneagram type he might be, but the book itself is really fun, right? And really... Um, seemingly kind of laid back in like this collection of essays. But then you notice he has really, he has really kind of gone a lot deeper than mm. you expected. And I think it would almost catch an Enneagram 7 right. by surprise. Like, like they would that. be feeling things really without even knowing they were. Right. Uh, and so that's why I'm recommending here for it. The other one I, I thought uh, would be really great for an Enneagram 7 reader is City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. Partly because I think one of the protagonist in the book may be an Enneagram 7. Again, it's kind of hard to know, and I, I didn't base all of my recommendations upon characters and their Enneagram types, but I do think one of the characters in City of Girls is this very vivacious character, and she reminds me of an Enneagram 7. Uh, the book is set in New York City, which I think would just be a fantastic place for an Enneagram 7 to spend their time, whether literal or metaphorical. It's set kind of against the backdrop of a theater community. But once again, Elizabeth Gilbert, the author, is in the middle of this really great kind of raucous story in New York, also dealing with coming of age, identity, figuring out who you are. So themes that if you were just to slap the Enneagram 7 in the face with it, they might not appreciate. But if they're lost in a really good and compelling right. and, and fun, to some extent, City of Girls is a really fun book. But you also, I remember my book club wound up discussing it. And I realized while discussing it aloud, how much there was really rich to go into in this in this novel that I really just liked as a piece of literature, like as a uh, almost like a fun summertime book. And then I got to talking about it and realized, oh, this is really deep. Right. It's almost like when, you know, a good deal of alcohol is buried underneath, you know, a lot of really sweet ingredients in a cocktail, you know, <laughs> and so and the best books are like that. I think it was either J.R.R. Tolkien or C.S. Lewis that said um, sometimes people won't be ready to hear a truth through the front door, mm. but but they will through the back door yeah. if it's done in the context of a really, you know, cracking good story. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, it can, it can, it can seep in and they can still experience the truth without feeling like they're being threatened or confronted. Right. Okay. The eight. Okay. So the eight, uh, this is, this type is great. Um, this type makes me laugh all the time. Just, just watching an eight's life. This, this type is called the challenger. I think it's so great that you like them because a lot of people I know, like in my personal life, 
um, really are afraid of the eight. Right. So, so I think the eight, here's the way I would put it. Earlier, we talked about the five. Everything sounds loud to a five. Okay. The five kind of goes around with the volume on the TV way up. You know, everything sounds like yelling. Everything sounds like loudness. The eight kind of goes around with the volume turned down. The eight might be hearing yelling, but the eight thinks it's just regular talk. That's how the eight deals in relationship. The eight yells, the eight spars, the eight discusses. And the eight's not trying to be aggressive, but the eight does feel aggressive to the rest of the types. Um, So this is someone who's not touchy-feely. This person will not beat around the bush. What this person really fears is being controlled. And as a result, they go about doing things that makes other people think they're trying to control them, but they're really not. They're just afraid. Eights are just afraid of being controlled. I picked immediately Untamed by Glennon Doyle for the first recommendation. I, I, again, I don't know. I don't want to speculate about people's Enneagram types, but I do think an eight would love a conversation with Glennon Doyle because I think Glennon Doyle exhibits some of the same characters as an eight. Again, I won't speak to her actual Enneagram type, but, but she is blunt. She is funny. Um, she is strong and every essay in Untamed, even if you don't agree with it, it gives you something to think about. Mm. And that's what I want out of my literature. Maybe I'm alone in that, but that's, I want a book that's kind of going to make me think going to keep me on my toes. And the best Enneagram eights I know do that for me, right? That's right. They're the personality type or the type of person who kind of keeps me on my toes and helps me be paying attention. And then also Glennon Doyle really does a great job of writing about the emotions. And you talk about an Enneagram 8 perhaps not naturally being a touchy-feely person. I think Glennon is healthy. And so she is or certainly has worked her way towards health. And so I think she is a great invitation to the Enneagram 8 that it is okay to get in touch with your Mm. emotions and that it's okay to feel strongly about something or it's okay to be sad or it's okay to feel joy. I think Untamed addresses a lot of that. Well, and that's good because the eight, the eight is highly passionate. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting distinction there because eights are not lazy. They're, they're very passionate, but they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily going to get outwardly emotional, but there's the emotion that's deep within. Right. And that is the passion. And it sounds like that comes through in this book. It does. And I, and I think she would allow a reader to kind of come into their own and to experience a wide range of feelings and not feel guilty about it. Okay, and then my second recommendation is based on the fact that the Enneagram 8s I interact with in in my regular day-to-day life are really passionate about social justice. And so my second recommendation is called A Knock at Midnight. This is by Brittany K. Barnett. Um, If you enjoyed uh, Just Mercy or a book like that, I think this book would be for you. It's about a woman, it's a memoir written by Brittany Barnett, who was an attorney or a young kind of law student who I think was an accountant at the time she was in law school. So she was finishing up law school and came across this case in the rural South where she realized this woman had been incarcerated on a life sentence for a first-time drug violation. And I think this was her first real-life introduction to the criminal justice system Mm. and how it worked. And so this case kind of caught her attention and changed her career trajectory. Um, Instead of going into corporate law, which is what she was always going to do, she has decided this is the case that kind of 
pushed her to make a total career change. And I think the Enneagram eights I know are brave. They are kind hearted. They're deeply caring about the world around them. And they strike me as the kind of person who would change their career path to make a difference. They're the type of person that would stand up you know, against a bully. Yes. Sometimes eights are thought of as bullies. They're really not. They're the people that comes between the victim and the bully. Yes. And so anyway, A Knock at Midnight by Brittany K. Barnett. I have not read it yet, but it is a new book. I think it released last week and I am anxious to read it. I, I've read about it and I'm really impressed by Brittany Barnett and the work that she does. And I think an Enneagram eight would appreciate it as well. All right. Last type. Well, the last type is the nine uh, called the peacemaker. And this type is unique because it sits on top of the Enneagram diagram. Um, This type really, as the name suggests, wants to keep the peace, very go with the flow. I kind of think of this type as being a type that kind of floats. You could push it this way or that way, and it will probably go with you. Um, This type tends to merge with others around them. Um, They kind of take on the interests of others around them. And sometimes they tend to fall asleep to themselves and they really don't know what they actually want. Um, they, 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 they get kind of confused about that. But on the other hand, they're very good mediators. They can see both sides of an issue and kind of like the five, they tend to be quieter. Uh, they, you, you can find many nines all across the, the world um, sitting on their couch eating ice cream uh, and watching TV with the lights very dim um, in a very relaxed state. They have, I feel like I could learn some things from the Enneagram 9. The Enneagram 9s in my life are constantly teaching me. And so I have two books. The first one is called Hey Ladies by Michelle Markowitz and Caroline Moss. I love this book. The reason I'm recommending it, though, is because the Enneagram 9s I know actually tend to, and I think you said this, they tend to exhibit the traits of multiple Enneagram types. And so in Hey Ladies, it is a, how do I even say this? It's almost an epistolary novel. It's entirely told in text messages and dialogue among a group of friends planning a wedding. So it's a group of girlfriends and one of them is getting married and they're planning a wedding. And you won't know this, Jordan, but anytime a woman is a bridesmaid or in a wedding party in any capacity, you get a lot of emails or texts that say, hey, ladies, like, here's what we're doing. (laughs) And this book made me laugh out loud. One of the things I loved about it, though, was you get to see really all these different kinds of personality types and friendships come together. And you, as the reader, can easily identify yourself in the friends. Oh, that's good. Like, I immediately knew. And again, it's told entirely through dialogue. So you don't actually get a ton of character exposition. But I immediately knew, oh, there I am. I'm the girl who never responds to the texts. Uh, I'm that the one. Yeah, I'm, I'm the ghost Enneagram friend. Enneagram 5. Yeah, and so I think if you are an Enneagram 9 and you see yourself in a lot of different types, mm-hmm. I think you might enjoy oh, and, and get a kick out of this book. Okay, and then the second one is perhaps a more serious book. It's called What We Lose by Zinzi Clemens. The reason I'm recommending it is because it's a beautiful novel and it's short, right? So you talked about Enneagram nines. Sometimes I think they, like the five, don't have a lot of gas in the tank. I could mm. be wrong about yeah, that. Right. But the Enneagram nines I know um, are like me and they maybe start their day low on energy and they've got to figure out ways to fill their tank. 
What I like about the Zinzi Clements novel is it's short. So an Enneagram 9 wouldn't have to put in a ton of time commitment to this book. And the character at the center of the novel has just lost her mother. So one of the things I think an Enneagram 9 might struggle with is knowing who they are. Mm. Um, Because they do, they are great mediators and they do see themselves in a variety of types. I think the Enneagram 9 needs to figure out who they are and who they are without the help of other people. Right. So if the Enneagram six needs to be reminded, Hey, I'm not alone in this world. I can do this with the help of others. I think the Enneagram nine maybe does need to remember they have to stand on their own two feet. And so in the book, the character has just lost their mother and they don't quite know what to do next. And they're trying to figure out who am I as a woman? Who am I as a mom? Who am I as a friend? And who am I without this force? And it's a deeply sad book because of that. Uh, I think you can tell that from the title, What We Lose. But it's also about who you are apart from everybody else. Mm. And I think an Enneagram nine would really benefit from that message and would also just really love this story. It's a deeply felt beautiful book. Um, I read it a few years ago and adored it. Um, So that's what we lose by Zinzi Clemens. That sounds great. We did it. Congratulations. (laughs) We covered all nine types, 18 books. I feel good about it. How do you feel? Great. Thank you, Jordan. You're welcome. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website. That's www.bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm reading Boy Crazy Stacy by Anna M. Martin, <laughs> the Babysitter's Club book. Jordan, what are you reading? This week, I am reading The Biggest Bluff by Maria Konnikova. Oh, very good. Yeah. It talks about how Texas Hold'em poker has just the same blend of luck and skill as life. Oh, that was beautifully put. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free media mail shipping on all your online book orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.